Welcome to the Atlas Air Guns podcast. I was gone for a bit, but now I'm back. And this time, I'm recording in the great state of Florida. Now, this last month, I've basically been getting my whole life together, uprooted, moved. And many of you have been following me on Instagram, others in other places, but basically I've moved from California all the way to Florida. And the reason for that is the insanity that is California. Gavin Newsom and all the fellow Democrats of that state have really ruined that state. And I'm a California native. I was born and raised in the Central Coast. And it's a horrible place now. It's really horrible, especially for children. And I I see a lot of people there that I grew up with or that I know, including family members of mine that say they will never move ever, 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 specifically because the climate is so agreeable and that you just can't give up that weather. And to me, that's almost as insane as the politics in California. For me, with two little girls, one that's um, turning four today and a little two-year-old and a three-month-old little boy, there is nothing that I would not do to protect them. And the issue with California is that it its goal is to mess up children. Really, that's kind of its goal. And it's all the crazy politics there. And, and we're talking like, all kinds of stuff with schools and it just messed up and most of you are aware of it and those that agree with that you're not going to agree with me anyway so but that's just the reality and I'm not going to sacrifice my kids on the altar of weather in California being agreeable. Central Coast California is a very beautiful place and California is a very beautiful place it really does have everything and with that said though it doesn't have sanity and it doesn't have a culture that supports families or supports mothers or supports children and especially in traditional roles you know they really want to abolish what family actually means and what children actually are and what their identity actually is whether that's sex or anything else you know and the issue for me really with California too on the the sex note before I continue on on other things is that kids they're really asexual especially at young ages and I know some people disagree with that but if you have a little two-year-old they're not thinking about what the woke policies are that want to push transgender whatever they they're not thinking of any of that stuff they're just two years old you know they're thinking about bubbles and you know, what their brother or sister's doing and food and stuff like that. They're not thinking of all this wacko, crazy stuff. And I'm a perfect illustration of the parents that are not going to put up with that crap, period. And I guess this is a good transition to to the air gun topic. And I want to do a little rant here because now that I'm out of California and I'm in a free state where air gun hunting is really a huge sport here. I just want to reflect on some of the issues in California, and yes, I am going to be judgmental. The first is really the hunting situation in general. I think that Californians, and I'm using that broadly, obviously there's a lot of Californians that are okay with the status quo and want to bury their heads in the ground and just accept you know, they're mudden or whatever, you know, they don't want to bark up any trees, they don't want to cause any chaos that might hurt their rights. And 
I think one of the issues with California with with hunting in general or or air gun hunting specifically is that it's so strict and it's so like people have so little rights to do there and the hunting opportunities there are so minimal. You're really only talking about upland game and like quail and stuff like that, like small mammals. And it just for an, a hunter like myself, it's really frustrating. And it's kind of sad that a state with such opportunity is limited so much. And just to give a historical context too, California was the leader with legalizing air gun hunting, or was a leader, I should say. It was one of the first to have laws on the books to allow air gun hunting. The laws were pretty liberal. And liberal, I mean the actual definition of the word, like they were uh, liberating, right? Not that they were of the liberal democratic bend, right? So these laws were very lax for the time. And since then, though, as air guns have progressed in technology, the laws in California really have been on the backslide and they really have not kept up with the technology. And so I do think that Californians now need to vocalize what they want for their state. And if that means that they never want any kind of big game hunting or any kind of other hunting going on with the equipment that's now available, then I guess the status quo is what they got, right? I mean, if you don't vocalize what you want and the freedoms that you want to have, then you're not going to get them. It's kind of a sad state in California because it is a one party state. And if you're a minority, like a hunter, or an air gunner, or anyone into firearms, you don't have a voice. And in fact, you're being, your hobbies being exterminated. And someone that deals with this quite often, that's not a Californian that I think of almost on a daily basis, actually Northern ballistics, because he loves firearms and air guns. He just a guy, right? Like all of us. And Northern Ballistics deals with this crap every day, and he's in, like, literally enemy territory. In a lot of ways, when I talk to him and talk about all the crazy stuff happening in Canada, it's pretty amazing to think about how California and Canada are so, so similar. And if you're in California and you've never been to Canada or you don't know the laws in Canada, you'd be surprised on just how much of a similarity there is between Canada and California. And I mean, joking aside, I mean, we can go on tangents about Justin Trudeau and all that, but Gavin Newsom is just as bad. He's a horrible, horrible governor. So anyway, that's all that behind us. And I just wanted to talk about California really quick and just say that I completely hate the politics there the ideas themselves all those things are just horrible horrible ideas horrible horrible politicians and the place is really beautiful and so why did i pick florida why did i pick hurricanes over gavin newsom well that's a good question and there's a lot of reasons to that family values here really good and there's a lot of other reasons like business and opportunity and just lower cost and the tax and all that kind of stuff. But since this is an air gun podcast, let's get back to that. So why did I pick Florida for air guns? And I think that's abundantly manifest in just the amount of activity that's in Florida compared to old other states. 
Actually, it wasn't until recently that some of the larger game laws came into existence here in Florida too. So for a hunter, I think that the opportunities here in Florida are very abundant and I'm very excited about that. I'm definitely going to be hunting and there's a new law too with the gators here in Florida that you can shoot a alligator with a tethered arrow or bolt shooting air gun and there's a few reasons they do that I, I believe the main reason is that you can actually pull the gator in and not let it float down to the bottom so that's the intent of the law so that's one the hunting is a huge huge reason to move here for air guns also there is just a huge community i live in the same area as ken hicks with spa going down south i'm very close to a bunch of other air gunners and going north i have a lot of friends like richard chef intensity 22 or air gun supremacy however he goes by he has all those wacky usernames that no one can keep up with but the daredevils how you follow him or Deadpool. Sorry, Deadpool. That's right. So there's just a ton of people here shooting air guns and a ton of air gunning in general. I mean, if you go down south, down in southern Florida where there's iguanas, there are huge pesting companies that specifically use air guns day to day to take out many, many, many iguanas. And that's just a, a confirmation of why it's a good reason to move here to Florida because you don't only just get the freedoms that this state allows with air guns, but you also have a robust community of air gunners. And there is a difference there, right? Virginia, for example, has some really lax laws when it comes to hunting and like what you're able to hunt and the size of the caliber um, that is required to take a deer, all that kind of stuff is actually, Virginia is a great place for air gunners. But compared to Florida, it really is. Florida has a lot of air gunners and that is something that's just going for the state. And so really cool. I'm really happy to be here and I'm just blessed to be here and super excited to meet a lot of Floridians that are shooting and I just want to keep growing the sport here in Florida. And on that note, a couple things I'm thinking about, and this is just kind of amusing, uh, I guess you could say. I am going to try to do some organized hunts here with some friends, and we'll see how that actually unfolds over time. I'm kind of working and stressing out about work and focusing on looking for work and opportunities here. And one of the things I keep thinking about is opening an air gun business of some kind. And I think for me, I really want to distribute or have some kind of retail business. So that's something kind of in the back of my head. And I'm thinking a lot about it. There's a lot of brands that I would love to love to sell, um, especially the ones I shoot. So we'll see how all that goes and um, what comes from that. I'm kind of still bouncing around the idea in my head. I guess the last thing I wanted to do on this episode is really describe going across the country in general and with my family specifically. I guess with my family specifically, I'll just say that they were rock stars, my little kids and my little three-month-old little boy. They just did a great job and super proud of them and they're just really resilient. And I had a friend a couple weeks ago say that when you get to the state of Florida, you'd get a just a, a weight lifted off 
And that is exactly what I felt like. And I think my kids actually displayed that in their excitement and their just joy. And I think that was obviously they were picking that up from my wife and I and just feeling of freedom and just relaxation when we got here. And that was really cool. And obviously I'm super stressed with business and work and all that. But I mean, actual deep down peace about being here and the just the feeling of being away from all the craziness of California that was a heavy burden so my my kids did great my family did great took us four days the first day we went to Palm Springs the next day we went to Austin Texas that we stayed in the next day and then the day after that we stayed in Streetport, Louisiana, and we actually stayed at a friend's house. And then the next day after that, we went all the way to Florida. So it was a long uh, trip. There's a couple of days there was long stretch. I, I actually drove through the night, one of the nights, because if you ever drive on the 10 and you're going from Palm Springs to Austin, there's a couple stops like El Paso and places like that, bigger towns. And if you're carrying a, like a utility trailer with your whole life's values in there or possessions you're thinking about hmm is this a good place to stop you're probably going to pass by because if you've ever stopped in El Paso or any of those places on the southern border they are very sketchy and that's a good place to get everything ripped off in minutes so I didn't stop in any of those places I drove through the night and I took a two-hour nap in the middle of like a desert because I didn't want all my stuff to be taken and that included air guns I had a Talon P escape that I actually dropped off to David at Black Arts Design. I just love that guy and uh, his friend Eric too. They're just really cool guys. David's just working on all kinds of fun stuff. So I just dropped that gun off with him. So that was in Arizona. And I actually did that uh, not only to, to have him play with a gun that he hasn't played with before, but also because I didn't want to... Uh, take that many air guns across the United States because I kept thinking this car or this uh, utility trailer would get broken into. And to give a description of the utility trailer, many of you probably haven't seen what it looks like. It's ridiculous. It's yellow like a school bus and then it has OSB going up both sides of the trailer and those are full sheets of OSB and including the back and then all over the top too. So the whole thing is encased with OSB. Um, underneath the top lid was two large tarp systems that I kind of integrated in so that way if any water did go through the OSB, if the water did penetrate it would actually hit the tarp and then go out the side and then leak down the side and then everything in the trailer was actually cased in in the black plastic bags like construction bags like every box was wrapped with a construction bag and taped and so we didn't bring a single piece of furniture we sold everything in our house that was large like any kind of large furniture except for one chest of drawers that was my grandma's and a couple vintage items from my wife like a coat hanger and a couple nightstands from her grandma it's always the grandmas that get you and when you move across the united states i will say this that you really do have a new appreciation of what is valuable versus what is junk and I have to say I had a lot of junk and my wife did too my kids did too we all had junk and my wife probably won't like me saying that because she is obviously wanting to carry every single thing to Florida but when I did the initial cost analysis with a container for example is like six thousand dollars and that's a bid 
not the actual final cost. And the final cost is never lower, it's always more. And then if you took a look at like, let's say a moving truck, maybe you could get it for like five or 6,000 to go across the United States, like a U-Haul, but then you're also paying for the gas of like an eight mile per gallon truck, right? So then maybe it's not 6,000, maybe it's eight or 9,000 for a truck. And then you could have problems along the way. And then on top of that, you have a separate car. So why I picked the utility trailer and this podunky like looking trailer setup is because I figured out that if I sold all my furniture, I would save a ton of money because I could basically get all of our life's possessions in one large utility trailer and pull that behind my van or my wife's van I should say because I definitely do not drive a van you will not see me in a van I only drive big massive manly trucks obviously no I drive a van because that's the only car we have here in Florida but um, so here's my logic so I took our Odyssey or Honda Odyssey and my dad's large utility truck I obviously outfitted it with a USB I just described a few minutes ago did the tarp system and then everything inside was encased in plastic so the cool thing about that setup is that I actually made $3,000 from selling all of our used old furniture in California. And then I drove this utility trailer with all of our possessions across the country. And I got like 26 miles per gallon across the country, which is pretty good with a utility trailer that was very heavy. I think the total weight of the trailer was around 2,000 pounds, um, like 2,600 right and the trailer itself weighs about hmm, 900 pounds let's say so it actually was it handled pretty well and i drove only like 55 miles an hour across the whole country and the reason for that is i didn't want to crash and i was like the titanic you know y'all just going and going and going and the problem is if i had not gone 55 miles an hour i think there's two problems one is that it doesn't have the stopping power because it's, you know, a Honda Odyssey. It's not a big fat truck. And the second is that I really didn't want to um, get comfortable and not see the traffic ahead of me slowing down and not have the space. So I went 55 miles an hour and I was essentially on the 10. I was behind someone else at all times, at least a half a mile behind them. And I'm glad I did that because there's a few times that there was some severe car accident or stop up ahead and I had plenty of time to stop and it was pretty safe. So if anyone else is moving you might consider selling all your furniture because a lot of times i think people get tied up in their stuff and it is just stuff and that includes air guns right like i did bring my air guns like ultimately i would give up just about anything for my family including my air guns and i think that it's good to have that mindset that stuff is not a forever thing and we can't take it with us in many situations, including across the country, let alone something like heaven, right? Stuff is just gonna degrade and fall apart and it's not actually of any value in comparison to family members or any other good thing like liberty or hope or any of those things that just people take for granted. So anyway, that's my uh, spiel on why it's good not to get tied down by the stuff that you carry across the United States. and. With the stuff that I did have and the stuff that I did take, it was kind of like essential stuff, right? The the real essential stuff. A lot of it was tools for me. I've been in construction most of my life, so I brought some tools and I brought a lot of clothes and stuff like that. And obviously I could have dispensed of those as well if I had to. And 
I was able though to get all that in the trailer. So when I got to Florida, I actually parked that trailer in storage. So it's still encased in this ridiculous OSB shell. And if you want a visual of it, the, just think of a turtle with a bottom like that was yellow and the sides that are OSB, kind of like that. It's like a weird podunky, you know, Beverly Hillbillies trailer. And it was very suiting that I came to Florida because that is the stereotype of Florida, obviously. Um, I like to call it the Ark. So if anyone wants to refer to my trailer as the Ark, that is the official uh, name. It has been given the official Atlas Arrogance podcast name. And funny enough, on the journey over to Florida, when I stopped by with David and talked to him for a minute, he, he had the audacity or the... I had the privilege, I should say, of being uh, knighted by him by a, a multitude of stickers, like with Utah Air Gun sticker, Donia Phil, uh, the pellet shop, like all these cool stickers. He just plastered the back of my trailer. So it was a very iconic trailer being like school bus yellow. So I wonder how many people saw all these stickers across the United States and said like, wow, man, that guy is really into air guns. Um, pretty funny. Anyway, so the one air gun that I did bring in my Honda Odyssey that's accessible and that I brought across the United States and that I protected, I brought it into every single hotel or place that we stayed was my Western Big Boar Bushbuck 45. I love that gun. And I think that, you know, me really bringing that by my side the whole time and taking care of it and making sure it wasn't left in the car to get broken into and stolen. You know, everything else could get stolen, but I really wanted to keep that gun because that is how much I love that gun. That gun is such a cool gun. It's just one of my favorites and Air Guns of Arizona really did such a good job with that gun. It uh, made it to the top of my list and the evidence of that is the fact that I brought it with me all the way across the United States and it's the gun that I have most accessible to me. Yeah, so I think that's kind of the end of this episode. I think kind of wrapped up all the information I could possibly give on why I left California, um, why Florida is just a cool place for air gunners, and my journey across the United States with a ridiculous trailer, and lastly, what air gun I actually brought with me in the car, and that was the Bushbuck 45. So, yeah, that's kind of the end of this episode. If anyone wants to reach out to me and talk and ask questions about the journey across the United States or about Florida and where I settled and why I picked this area in a little more detail, go ahead and reach out to me at atlasairguns at gmail.com. And as for the podcast and the program in general, I think you guys will be getting some new content here very soon, including a few people that I've kind of had on my radar and I've reached out and I think we're going to be getting them on. I do try from a content standpoint, I do try to vary it up quite a bit. And even this episode obviously was varying it up, right? I'm talking by myself and I usually don't do that. So every episode I try to have different kinds of people and different kinds of businesses or shooters. And I really try to have a diverse group of air gunners and air gun industry people. I think that if more content was more diverse, you would get out of the partisanship just a little bit. And I think that that is the big problem in the air gun industry is that we often tend to be partisans. And some of that is just subjective and natural, right? Like I think 
like making circles or of groups, I just call it circles, but like a, a clique or a group or whatever you want to call is a natural tendency. And some, in some ways, it's very good. A clique of friends can be a very good thing. You're all hanging out and being friends and supporting each other. On the flip side, though, the cliques can be like abrasive to people that are coming in, or they can be partisan in the sense that they or exclusive, right? Or excluding air gunners that shoot other brands. I think that's just really the core issue is that the the most negative thing in the air gun community is that we are partisan in a lot of ways and we tend to break down into two groups, right? We have FX shooters or Daystate shooters or Utah air gun shooters or air guns of Arizona shooters or pyramid air shooters versus, I don't know, the list can be infinite, right? But I really think if we take a couple steps back as content creators and say like, hey, let's be really diverse. Let's have them all on. Let's have everybody on of every view of every brand. I think that really pushes the industry forward in just the diversity of voices because it is the diversity inside the air gun industry. And when you're talking about manufacturers and new ideas and all that kind of stuff, it really does make the industry better because this industry is wonderful. Um, the people in it are wonderful. And it's just really cool to see all the different ideas and all the different brands compete against each other and make better and better and better items. You cannot get the air guns we have right now, whether it's Daystate or FX or any other brand, you can't get those air guns without competition and competition is needed if you don't have competition in the manufacturing side of things i mean what need would i have if i was a company to create the best gun ever if there's no competition so i think the way to think about that is just that the competition between air gun brands when it comes to the manufacturing or even the shooting at the field it is very uh very competitive right but that is why we have the guns that we have and that's why they're so good and so affordable and have so many features. I mean, if you could say that we would have some of the regulated budget affordable rifles that we have today, 10 years ago, you'd be just amazed. I mean, this the, the stuff that we have now is insanely affordable and that's just a revolution in the air gun sport. And that, that only happened, by the way, because the competitive market and that's really really what's driving the air gun industry and it comes into content too like there's a lot of air gun podcasts now and that used to not be the case right it used to be like a couple air gun channels on youtube in the early 2000s really doing like the podcasting so it's come a long way there's actually like official podcasts now just like the atlas air guns podcast there's um, well, there's Roger Late's Triple G podcast now that just launched. A lot of competition even on the content creation, and that's also a good thing because without competition, you don't get better content or better manufacturing or better whatever. So really cool to see that and just something to celebrate in the fact that we are becoming larger as a community and we're being more competitive in every single way you can imagine, including on the field. And with that said, hoping to make it to EBR. I don't know yet if I will. I have a lot of crazy stuff happening, so that's the last thing I wanted to end this podcast with is that I'm hoping to go to EBR. I'm going to try to go to EBR, but obviously 
Um, I have to work and provide for my family. So we'll see where things stand when we get a little closer to that date. But I'm still very excited about EBR nonetheless, and especially for my friends that are going to be competing there. If I don't make it, I'll be following every single thing they do on Instagram. But if I do make it there, I'm going to spend most of my time trying to get Roger to go out into the desert and hike a mountain because that'd be really entertaining. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the Atlas Airguns podcast, and I'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Atlas Airguns podcast. Make sure to like with a five-star rating, share, and subscribe. Have a question? Email atlasairguns at gmail.com. Thank you.